Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you and praise you and thank you for who you are and for raising Jesus from the dead. I thank you for your victory over death. And Lord, I ask that you give us the grace to be fervent witnesses, to be faithful witnesses to the gift of the resurrection. Lord, uh, we want to love you more. We want to live in the and the light of the uh, the gift of new life, the gift of experiencing victory over death. And Lord, I ask for the grace of uh, prudence. I ask for all the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude to be alive in us as a result of the, the gift of the resurrection, as a result of the gift of faith, hope, and love that is ours. We do love you, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope and pray that you had a great Triduum, great sacred Triduum, from Holy Thursday evening all the way through until Easter Sunday. It was it was a little bit of a different uh, set of uh, celebrations for us around here in the current home. Um, we had our three oldest out of the home. Um, away, um, our third at school, the other two live away from home, and they didn't come back for Easter. So that was a, a newness for us. And then uh, our fourth daughter um, was invited to go away on Easter morning um, for a little vacation with uh, one of her school friends and so and her family. And so that meant that we, o- we only had five kiddos at home. So that was one difference. The other difference was, and this kind of is going to touch upon the theme of prudence in a little bit, was that we went to the, my family went to the uh, Easter vigil at the cathedral uh, on Saturday night. We love going to the Easter vigil. And uh, unfortunately, I was not able to go because the impact of that concussion I had was still lingering and it manifested itself again. And and it really slowed me down on Saturday. I uh, and, and it was so much so that I was like, I, I, I'm just too dizzy. I just cannot go. So I got up early in the morning and went to the 7.30 in the morning Easter morning mass. It's so funny because last week I was saying, oh, we, we never go to the Easter morning mass. <laughs> and the Lord was humbling me. And I was at the 7.30 mass at St. Mary with Father Lewis. And the church was full. It was a full mass. I have to admit, I... I got a little bit humbled, a little bit humbled because I, I was sitting in front of a of a family that was pretty clear that the young adults that were there um, with their either their um, boyfriends or their spouses that they were not regular churchgoers. They hadn't maybe been in a Catholic church for a while, and so when it came time for communion, I said, "Well, they probably shouldn't be going to communion." <laughs> <laughs> and so I felt convicted to pray for them, just to pray for them. And also just saying, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want a sacrilege to occur. I don't want a blasphemous Holy Communion to occur. And so I did not feel like I had the right or the authority to, to say something to them. But I just said, you know what, I'm going to start praying for the, this these two young ladies and their two boyfriends. And I got humbled almost immediately because when it came time for going forward for Holy Communion, the, the one gentleman that was in front of me, he crossed his arm for a blessing. And I'm like, man, man, bam, right at you, Tom. You, you uh, kind of 
made a little bit of a, an incorrect judgment there about uh, this fellow and that he was going to receive Holy Communion when he came up for a blessing. And I think maybe he needs to pray for me more than I need to pray for him. Not very prudent. Not very prudent. Thank goodness I didn't intervene and and as a holy prophet of God say, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go to Holy Communion. <laughs> that would have been bad discernment is what that would have been. That actually brings me around to the theme for today. I, I've got lots to cover around the theme of prudence. And prudence is especially fitting in the Easter season. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to listen to uh, programs tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday. Tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm going to cover some, let's call it fundamental uh Let's call it foundational understanding of the Easter season. Catholics are really good at Lent. Catholics are not very good at Easter. We don't really know how to uh, do Easter well. Right? We know uh, Lent involves prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, but how do you actually enter into the Easter season? What does that look like? So I'm going to unfold for you a bit of the theology and practice, some principles and some guidance for how to live well the Easter season. And, and so I, it's something that I do each year, just sort of like I do this at the beginning of every Advent. I do it at the beginning of each calendar year. I do it at the beginning of every Lent. I, I go over sort of the foundational understanding that the church has of those liturgical seasons and of the beginning of the calendar year because it seems to fit um, with a very cultural thing, which is sort of a new start and a fresh beginning. But I'm going to do it in the light of the church's understanding of the Easter season. So I'm excited to, to dive into those programs and explore that theme with you. But today, I'm going to talk about uh, Easter. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about the cardinal virtue of prudence. And that, again, is so properly connected to Easter, because Easter is about entering into that promised land where we're now called to take action, right? Remember now, it's it's journeying with Christ through the desert, and it's if you, that whole sense of journeying from the desert is what? From his baptism through the desert, then into the time of proclamation. That means taking action as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus Christ in the world. That's, that's going forth on mission. That's living your identity in the world. That involves prudence, the cardinal virtue of prudence. That time in the desert is all about going from the slavery in Egypt through the time of what? Through that time of purification and formation, preparation in the desert. Well, now you've reached the promised land. Now it's time to take action. And that's where the cardinal virtue of prudence plays such a center stage in living our life of faith. Okay, so quick overview. The theological virtues are... Faith, hope, and love, they are infused virtues, which means they are given to us as a gift from God. They're given in baptism. They're increased in every sacrament, faith, hope, and love, by which we relate to God in trust, confidence, and delight. So those are three ways that we relate to God. We express and uh, express and live our communion with God. So those are the theological virtues. The cardinal virtues comes from a Latin root carde, which means hinge. These four virtues are ways of, uh, our foundational ways that we are called upon to live our life of faith. Uh, 
So a virtue is, again, what? A virtue at a philosophical level, at a basic like human understanding level, is, is what? It's human excellence in action. Right? What, is, what does human excellence on display look like? That's a virtuous action. It's expressive of a human being uh, that is acting in power, right? Virt- virtue means power. It's the power to do what is good. It's the power to act in accord with human excellence in a particular application, right? So those are, that's what the virtues are. But there are four hinge virtues, meaning that the other virtues will hook into and are coordinated by these four foundational virtues, these cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Prudence, just, prudence you can think of as discernment, as having uh, this right insight into things. Justice means what? Having uh, a proper sense of order in your relationship. People getting what is due to them. Temperance, another word for that is moderation. And fortitude is another word for courage. So prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. I'm going to focus on prudence. I'm going to touch upon the other the other three insofar as they will then lead to and help unfold this further conversation on prudence. But what is prudence? Prudence is defined in the catechism of the Catholic Church as recognizing the good that is at stake in the moment, and the right means of attaining it, of realizing it, of having it occur. It's recognizing the good at stake in the moment, as well as the right means of attaining it. So those are, those, those are distinct but related aspects of prudence. And I got to tell you, we can underestimate especially that second aspect. It's not only about recognizing what ought to be done, recognizing what's the good that's at stake right here, but the right means of attaining it. That is, that's underestimated. It's something I'm going to focus on today. It's, it's truly so very important. So what do I mean? Let me, let me concretize this in a way that is super simple to understand. Carrie and I have been married 27 years. Very early in our marriage, I wanted to be a helpful husband. Oh, look at this. There's some dirty clothes here on the floor. I'll be helpful. I'll do the laundry. There's the good that's at stake, right? There's a good at stake right here. Dirty clothes. Dirty clothes need to be cleaned. You clean them by washing them. Do the laundry. So I'm going to to realize, attain the good that's at stake. Well, I want to be efficient. So what do I do? Being efficient means put all the clothes into one wash into one load. And well, if I want to get the clothes really clean, what should I do? Well, I should wash them in really hot water. There we go. So put all the clothes to one load and wash them in really hot water. (laughs) This really happened. And what happened as a result? We got a bunch of pink clothes. Yes, indeed. It's a true story. And as a result of that, Carrie said to me, you will never do the laundry again. And I said, oh, I attained the good thing. It ha- no. <laughs> Does this make sense now? There's a difference between the good thing that I was attempting to accomplish, do the load of laundry, it's dirty laundry, it needs to be made clean, and the right means of achieving it, of realizing it. I was doing a good thing in the wrong way. You do a good thing in the wrong way, it becomes a wrong thing. 
Simple example, I was trying to help Carrie prepare a salad early on, and I was going to cut and clean the romaine lettuce. And she said, hey, look, you have to wash all that lettuce, and then you have to get the water out of the lettuce. So I cut off the top and the bottom, and then I washed it all, and then I wrung it dry, crushing the beautiful lettuce in the process. Yes, that really happened. I did a good thing in a bad way, and that's a bad thing. Are you tracking with me now? So prudence, prudence is, is, is both about recognizing the good thing that's at stake right now and also the right way of responding to it, of addressing it. We need both of these. This, this is so very important in our life of faith. Let me step back now and unfold this a little bit more theologically for those of you that like the, the deeper dive into things. All of reality in our Catholic Christian tradition manifests itself in accord with these four transcendental attributes. Everything that exists is one true good and beautiful. These are attributes. These are features, fundamental features of all things that exist. It is what it is. It's one. It's true. It's good. And it's beautiful. Now, often we can just focus on the truth. Well, let's make sure we get what it is. And that's so very important that you have to make a, a proper judgment to say this is the essence. This is the, the form. This is the heart of the matter. This is what it is we're talking about. And, but truth also has a goodness to it. There's a goodness of the truth. And so the truth also has an aspect of good. We have to know how this, this truth matters, what difference it makes. But it's not just even about the goodness of the truth, but about the beautiful way, the harmonious way that that goodness is to come out into the open. So you have one true good and beautiful, that's sort of a foundational way of recognizing prudence, recognizing good at stake and the proper way of realizing it. You can know the truth about life, about God, and about Christ, but it's also about what's at stake in life, about what the meaning of life and the purpose of life is. John Paul II says that truth is implanted into consciousness and gives rise to an attitude which becomes manifest in action. Ooh, boy. Consciousness, attitude, action. It's not just knowing what the truth is. But it's allowing that truth to shape how we see, how we relate to things, and how we live our lives. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, Truth takes root in the heart and blossoms forth in conduct. Truth takes root in the heart and blossoms forth in conduct. This is all a way of saying how important prudence is in our life of faith. More on this in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today on Sound Insight, I'm, uh, I'm still uh, what living in the glow of the Easter season. This is Easter Monday. It's a beautiful opportunity for us to continue to, to celebrate the great joy that Christ has risen from the dead. And yet, it is also the moment of witness. It's the moment of us living our identity as children of God. And one of the biggest things that holds us back, that slows us down, is a lack of prudence. It's a lack of recognizing really, really, really what's at stake in the moment and the right means 
of accomplishing it. So often we have an idea of God as being somehow um, sort of taking care of everything in a way that our own participation becomes minimized. That somehow, look, God's in control, God's got everything, and so it's okay if we just uh, go about doing uh, doing our best, quote unquote. Let's just do our best, or let's let's not, in the spirit of hilarity, let's not take ourselves too seriously, and let's pray, and God will take care of everything. And that is, that can't, it, that all by itself, if you isolate that, that if you take that, that that sentiment, you can drop it into an entire way of living your life of faith that fits, that, that's, that's actually in accord with our tradition and, 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 and the great masters of, of the spiritual life in, in our Catholic tradition and in the scriptures. On the other hand, we miss out on the reality that there really is a lot at stake and what's at stake is connected to how we act, whether we choose to act or not, that there's a loss, that uh, the uh, that there was, if you will, the Lord saying, I had a perfect will for you that was asking of you to step up, to step in, but I, I can also redeem it if you don't. If you fail me, if you fall short, if you settle for less, I can come in and redeem it. Now, it'll be a lot harder. It'll be more broken. It'll be something rising from the ashes. It'll be, it'll be resurrection. Something died, and now it'll be risen. It wasn't ideally what I wanted to have happen, but you know what? I'm bigger than it. I'm bigger than your lack of attention, your lack of initiative, your lack of prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. And you know what? I I can redeem it. I can redeem it. But that shouldn't be an excuse for us not taking action. It should not be an excuse. That is not the that's not the that's not the the saintly way. That's not the ideal way. That's not the the preferable way for us to live our life of faith. I, I I've said this how many times on the program, Gaudium and Spes mentions that uh, our call, the church's call in every age is to, re- is to read the signs of the times and interpret them in the light of the gospel. We have to discern the signs of the times. What's happening? What's happening in the world around us? What's happening in the church? What's happening in our family? What's happening in our own spiritual lives? Recognizing what's at stake and then interpret it in the light of the gospel so that we'll know how to act. Well, what's the... What's the Lord asking of me right now? What's the Lord asking of me right now if I'm supposed to act? And and that's where we're called to discern and then obey. We're called to listen and then follow. And so recognizing the good at stake in prudence, right? We're talking about prudence today on the program. Prudence as a cardinal virtue. And, oh, one of the things that I didn't bring up about the cardinal virtues as compared to the theological virtues, the faith, hope, and love as compared to prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, is that they are acquired virtues as compared to infused virtues. So acquired virtues are what? Infused virtues come as God's gift, 
right? You can't, you can't accomplish them, figure them out, make them happen on your own. They're given as a God's gift, and then you exercise, uh, exercise in the grace to continue to operate and to live and to grow and mature in them. Acquired virtues come through effort come through determination, come through consistency, come through the habit of practicing it. You become courageous by practicing acts of courage. You become temperate or practicing moderation by performing acts of moderation. And the same with prudence and uh, justice. And so practicing prudence means learning how to recognize the good at stake in the moment. It means noticing what's showing up. If you're going to read the signs of the times, you have to learn how to be noticing, okay, what's going on right now? What's the dynamic here? And among all the things that are showing up right now, what's the most important thing for me to pay attention to? Among all the things that are showing up right now, what's the most important thing for me to pay attention to? I love that question. That was taught to me by an early spiritual director of mine when I was in the seminary. Among all the things that's showing up right now in my life, in, inside of me, around me, in my kids, in, in, in terms of the things that they're doing or not doing, saying or not saying, the attitude that they're displaying or not displaying, what am I supposed to pay attention to? What am I supposed to draw out, focus on, call out, challenge, affirm, celebrate, uh, 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 call to, to, uh, to repentance, conviction, right? And so regarding that most important thing, what is it? Well, what's the so what? What's at stake in it? And then what's the now what? What am I supposed to do about it? This is coaching, by the way. <laughs> I've done this with executives and CEOs for 25 years and even longer with people in the church, helping them to discern what's at stake. Well, what's happening? So what? What's at stake in it? And now what? What are you supposed to do about it? It's what I'm doing with the, all these folks who are discerning moving, right? Moving is just a what. It's, it's shifting a whole life. Well, what's the so what of that? Like, well, what does that actually mean? What's the purpose? What, why would you now what? What are you supposed to do about it now? What's the action to take? So for all of us, this is a daily task. This is pr prudence is, is one of those virtues that operates every single day. Meaning, okay, if I'm going to be faithful to my call as a child of God the Father, a disciple of Jesus, my Lord and Savior, and being completely docile to the Holy Spirit who lives in me and wants to move and move me, am I being faithful to that? I have to pay attention. I have to pay attention to that relationship, that relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What about, what does it mean to be faithful as a husband and as a father? My vocation. I'm called to lead and provide and protect in all these different dimensions of life for my, for my wife and for my kids? Am I leading? Am I providing? Am I protecting materially, spiritually, relationally, in accord with my vocation? What does that mean? Well, all of a sudden, this, this is a lot, isn't it, huh? And, and you think about it and you say, you know, we often fail. And here's the thing. We often fail not because we don't know the truth of the matter, not because we, we don't have clarity about our discernment regarding reading the signs of the times, like recognizing what's happening here. So, sometimes it's that, for sure. Sometimes it's that. But 
a lot of the times it's it's about uh, or even even recognizing the goodness of the truth or the truth at stake. But why do we fail? Well, we fail because of a lack of prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. One of those or multiple of those cardinal virtues. We're not exercising them in accord with our call to be disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not going to be easy. It is just not going to be easy to live out your life of faith today as a Catholic Christian disciple of Jesus. If you're called as a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a grandparent, and you're living in the state of Washington, or you're just living in this moment in history, it's not. You will face. Here it is. Here it is the day after Easter, and I'm talking about facing the cross. But prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude is why we fail. That's why we fail. So temperance. I'm going to quickly, quickly, quickly cover temperance and justice and fortitude. I've touched upon especially temperance and fortitude on the program, not in those exact terms, but quite a bit. Uh, But my focus today is really on prudence. But temperance is what? Moderation, right? I, I I I know what I want to do. I know deeply what I authentically need to do, but I fail to do it because I am weak. There's a weakness in the will because of the disorder of the passions and because of the strength of concupiscence within me, and I fail to do what I ought I fail to do what I want. I'm frustrated because I fail in temperance. The inability to moderate, to moderate my own emotions or appetites in accord with right reason, in accord with prudence, in accord with what I ought to be doing. So the easy one, the one you've heard me talk about through the years is choosing a healthy eating lifestyle. That's my uh, that's my uh, <laughs> my more enlightened way of saying uh, getting better control over my weight, uh, exercising more self control, more temperance or moderation around how I'm eating. And when I lack in temperance and moderation. Guess what happens to the number on the scale? It goes up. Guess what happens to help test, to prove, to help refine temperance and moderation in the season of Lent? Yeah, that's right, fasting, acts of self-denial. And especially when you are denying yourself, dying to self, exercising self-denial with regards to the appetites of the body, of the flesh, through fasting, we're going to refine, we're going to acquire the virtue of temperance, of moderation. We won't be led around by the the fleshly pulls. So on Good Friday, between 12 and 3, and my family, we have uh, the custom, you heard me talk about it last week with Kerry, of being quiet. From 12 to 3, we are silent. And we ended up working out, we found um, the, the schedule that worked best for us on Friday was to go to the cathedral in, in Spokane, Our Lady of Lords, at noon for the commemoration of the Lord's Passion. 
And then we stayed in the cathedral all the way until three, where they had the Stations of the Cross. That's our custom, right, is to do both of those on Good Friday. And so we just had let the kids know, look, instead of coming home and doing our quiet time in home, um, and, and sometimes during quiet time, we, we would also watch The Passion of the Christ. We'd done that for a couple of years with our older kids. We ended up doing that later at night. But we um, sat quietly in the cathedral. It was really beautiful. There were only a few other people in the cathedral after the uh, between the two services, and so it it led for it was a, it was a, a prayerful time, and, and beautifully, um, Father Ratuiste, uh, the vocation director uh, of the diocese, um, was there, and he um, heard confession. So a whole bunch of my family went to confession. Uh, between the two as well. So that talk about a great day to go to confession. Good Friday. Let's go. So I brought the book that I love to read on Good Friday, which is by St. Bonaventure. It's called The Tree of Life. And in The Tree of Life, St. Bonaventure has these beautiful, profound reflections on the life of Jesus and connects them to the virtues as fruits uh, on this tree of life. And the cross is the tree of life. And he takes you through the different scenes in the life of Jesus. And the one that Jesus denied by his own, he references the denial of Peter, who goes out and weeps bitterly as a response to the maidservant who challenged him and said, aren't you a follower? And he denied with an oath that he knew Christ and repeated it a third time. And then he goes from that scene to address us, the reader, in the reflection. And he says this, Oh, whoever you are, who at the word of an insistent servant that is your flesh, by will or act have shamelessly denied Christ who suffered for you, Remember the passion of your beloved master and go out with Peter to weep most bitterly over yourself. Did you hear that? It's so powerful. Whoever you are who at the word of an insistent servant that is your flesh by will or act have shamelessly denied Christ who suffered for you, remember the passion of your beloved master and go out with Peter to weep most bitterly over yourself. What is he saying? He's saying, your immoderation, your lack of temperance, your giving in to the flesh. You know what that flesh is, that fleshly desire that says, eat in a way that is gluttonous, act in a way that is in accord with simply what's comfortable and easy and soft, rather than denying yourself, rather than saying no to the flesh. Do you know what the flesh is? The flesh is that maidservant. The flesh is the maidservant saying to you, hey, Aren't you a follower of Jesus? Aren't you someone too? And when we say no, when we say no to self-denial, when we say no to the cross of dying to self, when we fail in intemperance and in failing to be exercising the virtue of moderation, we're betraying Christ the way that Peter betrayed Christ. And Bonaventure says, go out and weep bitterly over yourself. Weep bitterly. Remember the passion of your beloved master who underwent what you failed to undergo because you gave in to that maidservant who pestered you, your own flesh. Ouch. That's what I read on Good Friday. Back in a minute with more sound insight on prudence. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. I'm reflecting on 
the virtue of prudence, and I'm connecting it to the call of Easter, the call of Easter to live out our identity as children of God who share in the very resurrection of Christ from the dead, and therefore we manifest and radiate into the world the light of, the radiant light of God's own life, the radiant life of, of God, holiness itself, shining forth in our lives because we too cry out with the spirit of Jesus Christ risen from the dead, Abba, Father, that spirit lives within us. So we share now in the victory on this side of death of the one who overcame death. And that means we are to act. And that means act every day in accord with the spirit of the living God. And that means prudence. Because prudence is all about discernment. Prudence is, at a human level, what spiritually is identified as discernment, recognizing and responding to God's will in the moment, reading the signs of the times and acting on, interpreting them in the light of the gospel, discerning, uh, do you see the moment that you're living in? Now take action. And so that's a day-to-day call. And we fail because we fail to recognize what the signs are we're supposed to pay attention to, or we fail because we don't use the right means to respond. We fail to do the right action, and we are so quick to give ourselves excuses, so quick to settle for less and think, well, we recognize what's happening, but we're not willing. We're not willing to do what we need to do. One of the reasons is we're just weak. We lack temperance that acquired virtue, that gift of moderation by which we moderate the the taking in of satisfying pleasures of of the body in order to not feed the flesh, that sense that would pull us away from God rather than embrace the path of the cross because we just don't want to suffer. We just don't want to die to self. We just don't want to pick up our cross and deny ourselves and renounce our own lives to follow Jesus. The second reason is because of fortitude. Fortitude, another word for courage. I know what I ought to do, but it's just too hard. The path is too difficult. And you, this is the one I talk about maybe more on Sound Insight. More than I talk as much about prudence as I do about fortitude. Um, we're just too comfortable. It's just too easy. It's like it, it shouldn't be so hard for us to live out our call right now. Why, why are we asked to do something that is extraordinary, that's unexpected, unplanned for, wasn't necessary a few years ago, and now all of a sudden it's necessary now? And this is what has dawned on me in the last several years and something I feel so called to proclaim. And it, it, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard because it feels, it feels like a, I want you know, can you hear me? It's so interesting. So here I am in Spokane, and one of the things that happens on um, Friday mornings is when uh, Father Lewis comes over, and from this humble little studio here, we connect in with Father Nagel back in the main studio of Sacred Heart Radio. We use this piece of technology, and I don't touch the settings on my little soundboard, and he doesn't touch the settings. Ron Belter, the president and general manager of Sacred Heart Radio, he doesn't get hooked up before the show begins. And he's like, Tom, I can't hear you. And I'm like, well, let me turn it louder. And he says, you, you feel you're coming in so low. What, what, what setting did you change? I said, I didn't change any setting. <laughs> I said, let me turn up the gain. The gain is sort of like an amplifier on the particular channel that 
it will quickly lead to distortion of the voice. But sometimes I have to have the gain up all the way to the maximum level, plus the volume up almost to the maximum level on that particular channel, plus in the main uh, channel as well, just so that we can be heard. And sometimes that's what it feels like. It, it feels like, how, how loud do I have to turn up the gain here? How, how loud do I have to amplify what I'm saying before the voice gets heard? Uh, and, and I don't know how to, I don't really don't know how to like bring that up enough, but I, I felt challenged by a particular word over the triduum and it was related to, again, part of what I was praying through on Good Friday and it was in the act of contrition and it was, I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all, because they have offended you, my God who are at all good is deserving of all my love. And I thought, you know, there, there are lots of people, lots of Catholics, including me, who would know how to define that. Oh, that's the difference between contrition and attrition. Contrition is a, dete a detestation of sin and a renunciation of all sin out of a love for God. That's what contrition is. Attrition is a detestation of sin because of the fear of the punishment that is connected with that sin. And yeah, I, I understood, I could define it. I could understood what it means, uh, the, the, the concept. But was that really true? Was it really true that I detested my sins mostly because they've offended God? Or did I really detest my sins more because I feared, not even so much the loss of heaven, but I feared the pains of hell, unending torment, terrifying suffering without end. Why do I detest my sins? If I do detest my sins, do I really detest my sins? Do I, and now all of a sudden it's, do I really realize what's at stake? Do I really, really realize? <laughs> How many times do I say that word really? Real, real. Oh, that's the truth of the matter. What's at stake? Oh, that's the goodness of the matter. Beauty is the, the proper ordering of things. And wow, I, I'm not, well, I guess I'm convinced about the fact that we as Catholics are not very convinced. We don't live with a heightened consciousness of what's really at stake in any sin, in every sin for our lives and for the lives of those we love, and for, frankly, the life of anybody that is around me. Um, but even if I step back from that courage to say, I, I want to have the fortitude to do what's difficult when it's not comfortable, well, I, how many times have I talked to husbands and wives about doing what you need to do as moms and dads for the sake of your kids? to speak into their lives and to take action for their for their good for their salvation for their health and holiness for their for their flourishing for their good and how it is easy to not easy easier it's easier to say you know what god's got this god'll take care of it we're just doing our best and you know what god god god's bigger than all of this we'll just pray put them in God's hands, and you know what? God will 
God will take care of it. And for me, that is such a sadness because it's, it's a failure in courage. It's a failure in fortitude. It's a failure to say, I would rather not face the suffering, the difficulty, the pain of doing what needs to be done to best lead, provide, and protect my kids. Uh, and that leads to justice, right? So the four cardinal virtues here, the, the virtue of justice is what? Is, um, is giving to each his due. And we know it's right, but don't you feel just too small to do anything about it? These issues are so big. These issues about what's legal and what's culturally accepted and promoted in society. And you can't even question it in polite company or you'll get scorned and looked down upon. And, and how dare you bring that up? And things have become so embedded in our culture. God bless us if we ever even think about bringing up anything to do with something like no-fault divorce. Do we really believe in marriage as something that is meant for life? Or do we just settle for a divorce, a culture in which divorce is just so accepted and acceptable that it's, it's, it's on the horizon of many folks as they approach marriage, if they approach marriage at all as, as an institution worth uh, entering into, these young people? Um, what about the horrors connected with it? What about the contraceptive mentality that, again, is, is just accepted and expected almost among almost every Christian denomination? The Catholic Church, and, and maybe there's a few other uh, congregations that will stand fast and, and say the contraceptive mentality is, is a horror. It, it's a, it, it undermines the, the fullness of God's plan for married life and love. And it's, what is it? It's a failure to cooperate. It's a failure to step up and say, we have a part to play. Remember that idea that prudence is what? Recognizing the good at stake and the right means of addressing it? Well, what means are we taking to address no-fault divorce, contraceptive mentality? Oh, yeah, what about abortion? What about abortion? And then today, the, the major challenge of transgender ideology that is slaughtering our kids. Where's the justice in this? Where is the the righteous indignation among followers of Christ. All right, back in a minute with more Sun Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Wow, Easter. Easter's here, and where's my Easter joy? <laughs> Tune in tomorrow for that. Tomorrow I'm going to dive into the uh, church's vision of the Easter season and also provide some some guidance around how to live Easter well. The church gives tons of guidance on how to live Lent well, and we do Lent really well. We don't do as good a job at Easter. So my hope is to lay out some foundational principles and practices for you to enter Easter well. It'll take me two or three days to do that, so please tune in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to hear that. And then Friday, Carrie and I will share with you a Faith and Family Friday program of Sound Insight. So this failure of prudence. So I've talked a bit about the failure of temperance, of fortitude, and justice, those three cardinal virtues. 
and how what what are they doing? They're f- holding back the strength of our own witness as disciples of Jesus Christ. No wonder we are weak in our witness. No wonder we don't radiate uh, God's glory more powerfully in our lives when we are lacking in the virtues of temperance and f- or moderation, fortitude or courage or justice and having that righteous indignation over the horrors that are coming against our kids. Well, those other cardinal virtues in some way come back to prudence because prudence is right reason in action. Prudence is the virtue that moves us forward to take action because yes, this is what ought to be done and this is how it ought to be done. This is what is to be done and this is what ought to be done and this is what's at stake and here's the right way of addressing it. Over the, uh, on, um, was it on Holy Saturday, uh, I was going back through Facebook memories. I'm not even sure how I got there. I, oh, I wanted to show my daughter Liliana a video. And when I opened up Facebook uh, on my phone, it, it kind of jumped to a page where the memories were there. And it was like five years ago that uh, Easter fell on the 16th, so a day before this year. And so all these memories popped up of pictures and a video, and it was a darling thing to watch the video from five years ago. And when Carrie and I were chatting about that, and she saw the video as well, one one of the kids stood out to us in a, in a particular way. It was our daughter, Mary Catherine, because she was in eighth grade in that video. And now five years later, she's a freshman at Franciscan University. And she said, you know, Carrie said, those five years are, are really almost the most telling, formative, determinative. They have such a profound impact on, on a kid's life. Those five years, like look at her. There was this freshness, there was this innocence, there was this sense of freedom, spontaneity, and, and not that she doesn't have those things right now as well at Franciscan University. In fact, uh, she sent us a cool little video clip of the number six reason why, my, why I go to the most Catholic school in the nation, and it was a video outside the Franciscan University chapel where two hours before the Easter vigil, there was a line of students waiting outside to get a seat. <laughs> There's a Catholic flex for you two hours before, uh, you know, this big long line of kids waiting to get in. Oh my goodness, it just makes me smile. Uh, there's me recommending officially Franciscan University to send your kids there to help them uh, regain, uh, go deeper into, recover, refresh in their Catholic faith. It's not that it's it's not that it's a guarantee, but it's much more likely. You know, you, you're setting them up for you setting them up for success. You send them there. Most Catholic schools, you set them up to lose their faith 
in those Catholic schools. And I'm talking about grade schools, I'm talking about high schools, and I'm talking about Catholic colleges. Do not presume that send your kids there, they're going to gain their faith, grow in their faith, live and love their faith. No, don't presume that. Presume they're going to lose their faith. Prove. Prove it. Prove it to yourself. Prove it to them. Prove it to the kids that come through those schools that attending that school, attending that parish is going to lead your kids to a more fervent faith. Do not presume that it will happen. And eighth grade through college, that that those years, so determinative of what happens. And this is where prudence comes in. This is where prudence comes in because, you know, so many of us, what we grew up in a time that says uh, high school years, well, you know, it's we remember our high school years, right? You know, we remember our high school years, right? And, you know, kids are going to be kids and, you know, there, there might be some dabbling in this, whether it's drinking or or, uh, or there might be uh, uh, the temptation towards uh, drug use or partying or hanging out with the wrong kids and they're going to have their little rebellion. But, you know, there's this sense of guardrails. Right? They're going to pretty much stay on the road and they might bump up against these guardrails a bit. And then there's the whole relationship thing and dating and boys will be boys and girls will be girls, right? We have this, uh, by the way, I'm not recommending any of those things. I'm just saying that I think many parents have this idea that the way that you went to high school is more or less like the way that your kids that are approaching high school or in high school are experiencing school. And it's not. It's just not. The pressures, the stresses, what they are exposed to, what they have become numb to, what they have, uh, what, what the pressures they have on them regarding fundamental beliefs, attitudes, behaviors, ideas that are undermining and uh, overthrowing a Catholic Christian view of the world. This is coming at them like a tsunami, like a tidal wave to wash away and to blow away all that you would see as pure and innocent, all that you would see as healthy and life-giving for your kids is being attacked and undermined by schools, by the schools their kids are in. And, and I'm not exempting Catholic schools from this. It's just not. You, you have to prove that the, the school that your kids are at are not dominated by the world in which they live because the kids that come into those schools are predominantly heralds of the world and not of a Catholic vision of life. There are some exceptions, but those are definitely the exception. The rule is that the, the school your kid is going to, including Catholic schools, will have a majority of students whose principal vision of life is shaped more by Netflix and Amazon Prime, by TikTok and by uh, Snapchat and Instagram than it is by a Catholic Christian way of life. That the way of life that is forming and informing your kids, that is washing over and soaking your kids in, the culture, the atmosphere, the attitudes, the behaviors, is formed more by things that you will find horrific. You have no idea what they're being exposed to, what's being prompted, promoted, and fostered in them. And this is where prudence comes in. This is where... This is, this is where we have to recognize the good that's at stake and we have to take action. We just do. Uh, 
normal, normal types of responses, normal level of activity, not going to get it done. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your kids unless you're willing to take action that is even heroic, a heroic, courageous action. And that that's what the spirit of, of Easter just might foster in you. That's what the spirit of Easter can introduce into your life is a power, a power to free you to do what you need to do. Yeah, there's a good at stake and you want your kid to flourish. You really do. You want your kids to flourish. But you got to find the right means of accomplishing it. The right means of accomplishing it. If you don't choose the right means of accomplishing it, like even in the Passion of the Christ, you have Judas. What does Judas do? He gets the 30 pieces of silver because he wants Jesus to be brought in to talk with the Pharisees and then and the high priest and, uh, and the Sanhedrin. And then like, come on, can't we just get everybody to the table and we'll get it all worked out? You know, he's presented as someone who wanted to do a good thing. He did it in a really bad way. And as a result, his betrayal, yeah, Jesus overcame. But he overcame through his passion and his death on the cross. I would rather save our kids and our families a lot of suffering, a lot of crosses, a lot of pain that has to be redeemed and healed if we can. But that'll only happen if we're willing to be prudent just, moderate, and courageous. That's my prayer for this Easter season, for more prudence. Lord, give us the grace to recognize what's at stake and the right means of accomplishing it. And then, Lord, give us the courage to act, act even heroically on behalf of that good. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.